Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate so we are hearing Lord Rishabdev's teachings to his sons. Uh, <clears throat> one of the most uh, one of the most quoted chapters in terms of key verses. And this next, the first the first verse that we're covering today is a very often quoted verse, Mahat Sevam Dwaramahur Vimuktes, this is verse number two, Tamo Dwaram Yoshitam Sangi Sangam Mahantas Te Samachetta Prashanta Vimanyava Shurida Sadavo Ye. One can attain the path of liberation from material bondage only by rendering service to highly advanced spiritual personalities. These personalities are impersonalists and devotees. Whether one wants to merge into the Lord's existence or wants to associate with the supreme with the personality of Godhead, one should render service to the Mahatmas. For those who are not interested in such activities, who associate with people fond of women and sex, the path the path to hell is wide open. The Mahatmas are equipoised. They do not see any difference between one living entity and another. They are very peaceful and are fully engaged in devotional service. They are devoid of anger and they work for the benefit of everyone. They do not behave in any abominable way. Such people are known as Mahatmas. <clears throat> so first, uh, let's, let's see, let's read, uh, the purport and then there's more things to comment on. So the purport or just parts. Yeah. Actually, for this one, I, I highlighted the whole purport, so we'll be back. The human body is like a junction. One can't either take the path of liberation or the path leading to a hellish condition. How one can take these paths is described herein. On the path of liberation, one associates with Mahatmas, and on the path of bondage, one associates with those attached to sense gratification in women. There are two types of Mahatmas, the impersonalist and the devotee. Although their ultimate goal is different, the process of emancipation is almost the same. Both want eternal happiness. One seeks happiness in impersonal Brahman, and the other seeks happiness in the association of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. As described in the first verse, Brahma Sokyam. Brahman means spiritual or eternal. Both the impersonalist and the devotee seek eternal blissful life. In any case, it is advised that one become perfect. In the words of Chaitanya Charitamrita, Asat Sangha Tyaga, E Vaishnava Achara, Stri Sangi Eka Asadu, Krishna Abhakta Ar. To remain attached to the modes of, unattached to the modes of material nature, one should avoid associating with those who are asat, materialistic. There are two kinds of materialists. One is attached to women and sense gratification, and the other is simply a non-devotee. On the positive side is association with Mahatmas, and on the negative side is the avoidance of non-devotees and women hunters. So here he says, not women, but women hunters. And in one other purport, Paul says that for, for man, woman is woman, and for 
woman, man is woman <laughs> in, in this context. So let's look at this uh, purport because um, it's kind of like the master key to the spiritual path, you know, attaining, attaining liberation. So, you know, we, we know that consciousness influences consciousness, right? If you associate with a person who's often depressed, association with a person who's a, a drunkard, or even, let's say, association with a person who's a sports fanatic, they, they, all of that, is, that association affects us, right? So this verse is saying better to seek elevating association and avoid association that degrades us. And it's really kind of important because, I mean, not really kind of, it is super important <laughs> because we as conditioned souls, we're inclined towards lust, anger, greed. Um, and therefore it's best to avoid anything or anyone that can inflame those tendencies. And then to instead, you know, associate with uh, people advanced on the spiritual path. So then in the second part of the translation, uh, the verse, uh, Rishabde points out Mahatma's qualities, right? He talks about, uh, you know, what is the downward path? And the results we suffer when we avoid Mahatmas and cultivate materialistic association. For those who are not interested in such activities, who associate with people fond of women and sex, the path to hell is wide open. So then we might ask, you know, how do you recognize a Mahatma? And here it says, you know, they're equipoise. They do not see any difference between one living entity and another. That's uh, the Sanskrit there is samachitta. And they are very peaceful, prashanta. And they are fully engaged in devotional service. Um, they're devoid of anger and they work for the benefit of others. Right? So um, that gives you an idea. And then... Um, this is from uh, Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. He talks about how um, there's, he focuses on two words, uh, samachitta and prashanta. And he says that they have different meanings whether when they uh, apply to a jnani or when they apply to a devotee, right? So, uh, and that's important, right? Because, you know, we may read this verse and we say, well, what, you know, why does it say... Uh, um, these personalities are impersonalists and devotees, right? You know, we might say, uh, why are they both highly advanced? So he, he gets into it a little bit. And he says, samachitta means one who sees no differences for the jnani and for the devotee, it's one whose heart is sincere. And prashanta, which means uh, one who is peaceful for the impersonalists, he says it means one whose intelligence is fixed on the Lord for the devotee. <clears throat> um, so he, you know, he 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 makes that he he um, emphasizes that although they're both mentioned in this verse, there's uh, there's some real differences. I just said a lot. Uh, some thoughts, comments, questions. No. Well, it looks like there can be Mahatmas that are doing worse than us because it says some Mahatmas are impersonalist. Yes. So that's interesting. <laughs> they're yeah. kind of mistaken, even though they're Mahatmas. Great, right, right, because they are controlling their senses. They're, uh, it's kind of like, you know, uh, I think I told the story before, but Prabhupada was in Kobe, Japan, and I'll, I'll make it a long story short. 
because uh, the, the whole story has been written into like a, a drama, a play in the book, My Glorious Master. But anyway, he, um, he, he's asked to speak at a program where there's also a Mayavadi sannyasi. And Prabhupada speaks first, and then the Mayavadi sannyasi speaks. And this is early, and it's still, in, I think, 69. The devotees didn't know Hindi. They didn't know philosophy, that much philosophy. So the sannyasi, the Mayavadi sannyasi was speaking in Hindi. And Prabhupada at first was just rocking back and forth a little bit and chanting his rounds uh, under his breath um, uh, while the man was speaking. And Prabhupada, you know, just... But then after about 20 minutes... <laughs> Prabhupada opened his eyes, turned to his disciples and said, stop him, <laughs> right in the middle of his speech. And uh, the devotees didn't know what to do, so Prabhupada said, have a kirtan. So right in the middle of his speech, they drowned him out uh, and had a kirtan. And the devotees didn't know what was going on because they didn't understand the Hindi. And so later they asked Prabhupada, and Prabhupada said, just like what you're saying, Andy, at first he was saying all right. He was saying we're not our bodies, we're spirit souls. The goal of life should be spiritual. It shouldn't be sense gratification. But then he started, this is a technical detail, he started speaking about panchopasanam, but basically a uh, impersonal cons- conception that if you worship these five different deities, ultimately you reject them and you become God. I mean, there's much more to it than that. I'm oversimplifying, but for the point, of, for the purpose of brevity, um, so just like, you know, you were saying, Andy, you know, Prabhupada was, yeah, it was fine up to a point. And then they started indirectly criticizing Krishna. And then it changed. So thank you for that. Other thoughts? Okay. It's a very important verse. Prabhupada quoted it uh, many times, especially the, uh, the first two lines, because mahat sevam dwaram, right? So mahat means great devotees, great, great personalities. Seva means to serve, and Dwaram is the way or the gate, and, and it uh, uh, it opens the gate to liberation, vimuktes. Uh, and then the next line also, Tamo Dwaram, but another gate, a gate going to the, as Prabhupada translates, the dungeon of a dark, hellish condition of life. That's done by materialistic association. Okay. Anything else on this verse? So then we'll go to verse, well, we'll read up to four. Okay, so text three. Those who are interested in reviving Krishna consciousness and increasing their love of Godhead. I did, I did start the recording, right? Yes, okay. <laughs> um, do not like to do anything that is not related to Krishna. So this is Rishabh Davis. Now, if you got confused about the impersonal, here's the personalism. They are not interested in mingling with people who are busy maintaining their bodies, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. They are not attached to their homes, although they may be householders. Nor are they attached to wives, children, friends, or wealth. At the same time, they are not indifferent to the execution of their duties. Such people are interested in such people are interested in collecting only, in collecting only enough money to keep body and soul together. Um, just one. Okay, there was a little noise. And before I go on, there's something in the chat that I missed. Oh, uh, Mun says, uh, reminds me of Bhagavad Gita 9:13 and 14, O son of Prita. Those who are not deluded, the great souls are under the protection of the divine energy, nature. They're fully engaged in devotional service because they know me as the supreme personality of God and original and inexhaustible. Always chanting my glories, endeavoring with great determination, bowing down before me, these great souls 
perpetually worship me with devotion. So, so he said, writes, the devotee's goal is to engage the senses in Christian service, whereas an impersonalist wants simply to subdue their senses. Thank you for that. So going on to the next verse, verse 4. Also very famous verse, Nunam Pramatta Kurutevi Karma Yet Indriya Pritaya Aprinoti Nasadu Manye Yata Atmanoyam Asanapi Kleshada Asadeha. When a person considers sense gratification the aim of life, he certainly becomes mad after materialistic living and engages in all kinds of sinful activities. He does not know that due to his past misdeeds, he has already received the body which, although temporary, is the cause of his misery. Actually, the living entity should not have taken on a material body, but he has been awarded uh, the material body for sense gratification. Therefore, I think it is not befitting an intelligent man to involve himself again in the activities of sense gratification by which he perpetually gets material bodies one after another. So... um, yeah, when I when I read this in the purport, you know, I was thinking, um, like everyone on this call, I think accepts theoretically that we are not our bodies, that we're the soul inside the body. But it's also a fact that you know our position is kind of precarious. You know, um, most of us don't we don't have so much practical experience of ourselves as souls. Of course. We, we get glimpses of it in Kirtan and in and Japa and in reading Prabhupada's books and associating with devotees, you know. Um, but we have this long-standing habit, you could say, of considering ourselves uh, as the body. And we also know, you know, Maya is really strong. And so it's easy, you know, for us to be swayed uh, despite our theoretical knowledge. That was my, that's my point. You know, it's still, it, that's what's so precarious that it's easy to be swayed, even though we have this theoretical knowledge. So that, you know, we have the gyan, that's one way of saying it, but we don't have the big gyan, or at least we don't have it fully yet. And so we have to, you know, be on guard because um, we really have to be on guard because Maya is strong and we have this habit of, of thinking we're our body. So even though we're reading Lord Vishadde's powerful words, um, I guess we have to pray, not guess, we have to pray to Lord Vishadde, to the spiritual master, to the devotees, that this um, enters deeply. Actually, let me see if I can find it really quickly, because there's four levels of, uh, of the mind, of the consciousness. I'm just reading this uh, I think I think I remember the words, but there was a nice description of it also. If if I can find it real quickly, if not, we'll wait until later. Uh, yeah, I can't find it. But there's the mind, there's the intelligence, there's the false ego, and then there's the you know the most inner mind, the chitta, the consciousness. Um, and you know, for something to really Go deeply, it has to go to that, that, that level of chitta. Oh, here we are. Yes. Um, the sea, oh yeah, so this is, uh, from, uh, Sachinanda Maharaj's Japa book. Uh, the seed must be planted, the seed of Krishna consciousness and our, and our sambanda, our relationship with Krishna. 
must be planted in the antakarna, the inner self, also known as the mind or subtle body. It has four levels. Mana, the reactive mind. Buddhi, the reflective mind. Chitta, the subconscious mind. And ahankara, the feeling of identity. And he says we must sow deep in, we must, uh, it has four levels, it must be sown deep inside so that we internalize who Krishna is, what the Atma is, and what Maya is. Um, we need to fully understand, I am not the body, I am the soul. So that's, that's, that's in one sense, we could say that's our sadhana, that's our work to go, to enter the, not just the philosophy, the relationship with Krishna, so deep that it goes down ultimately even to the feeling of identity that I am Krishna's. Some thoughts on verse 4? Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. <clears throat> so um, just looking at this, and you're talking about this, and reading Srila Prabhupada's purport about this, mm, makes me think, or, or, or pushes my thinking to a deeper level that practically everything in life we have to examine very closely. Am I doing this? Uh, am I doing this according to my material habit or am I looking at it Krishna consciously? Um, as you say, it's very deep. Yeah. Habits run very deep. And uh, we've talked about this before that about 45% of our life is run by habits. So it's really wise to look at our habits um, both in terms of our sadhana and in terms of our cleanliness, in terms of our how we relate with our family, how we relate with others. You know, they, they, they become habitual. Of course, it's for a short time. It's just for this lifetime, perhaps. But, uh, you know, it seems like forever. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Guru Dasbu. Other ideas? Other thoughts? Prabhu, I have a question. Hare Krishna. Yes. So... <clears throat> So based on our past karmas, we have received a family. And for example, uh, if our children are too much entangled in materialistic way of life, and so we are living householder's life, we can't abandon them. We are receiving this knowledge and we are sincere <clears throat> to have a Krishna conscious environment at home, right? We are their well-wishers. So we can't call them non-devotees. You know, they may be following but they may not have the inclination to necessarily follow the lifestyle of discriminating who to associate with. Mm -hmm. So indirectly through them, you know, we may be having environment around us, which is not favorable for our spiritual advancement. So what do we do then? Well, that's a case by case uh, situation, right? But um, in order to help them, usually, you know, uh, example speaks louder than precept. So when they just see that we're happy in Krishna consciousness, um, there might, might come a time when Krishna really inspires them. Plus, with our kids, we don't really know, you know. Um, what, it's not how, just like uh, <laughs> when I was in high school, I used to run cross country. And uh, it didn't matter how you began the race. It ma the only thing that mattered is how you ended the race. <laughs> And probably for most of us, for, well, yeah, for most of us, if not all of us, we're not going to see the end of the race. We're going to leave this world before, and they're going to keep on living. And our children may surprise us <laughs> how, uh, how deep Krishna consciousness goes into the heart. 
and how at the right time by Lord's inspiration, they uh, may take it up even better than we are. So in the meantime, we may have to be a little patient and kind and especially being a good example and see how Krishna, Krishna works with them. Because as we're going to talk about in a few verses, they have a relationship with Krishna. And, uh, and that's something that we have to respect, that they have their own individual relationship with Krishna. Uh, and they may not have accepted yet, at least, you know, the full uh, process that Prabhupada has given us and that an initiated devotee accepts as their life. And then on a practical level, we may have to make some adjustments so that if that, that whatever they're doing doesn't affect our consciousness. Is that all right, Mataji? Yeah, I mean, yes, that's, that's the best uh, anyone would want to try. And I thought since we are talking, I mean, though all this talk is more centered around sense gratification and avoiding non-devotees, I was also reminded how in Canto 3, um, Lord Kapila was instructing his mother, Pretty much, you know, a lot of these teachings, they... Yes, very similar, yeah. Yeah, they keep repeating in different cantos. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, living a householder's life. Now we are already there, deep into it. And uh, sometimes it feels when I read these teachings, like at the very, probably at the very start, when you're, you really have a simple life, you're a single person, it's so much easier to already identify, maybe take a path. But now we have everything. We have a house, we have children... Yeah. And the gaming and other distractions around and all different things around. So, okay, we can start engaging, you know, trying to create the take baby steps. But yeah. yes, we do deal with a lot of challenges day-to-day. And so I was thinking about it. But you see, just like, you you know, you're lucky because like even if your older son, he picked such a nice person as a wife. <laughs> you know, she's such a nice person. And, and of course, Govinda is like a, Pure devotee, practically. So you know, yeah, you should take the dust from his feet. <laughs> no, don't do that. That he'll he'll really get upset. <laughs> um, one devotee asked me. Uh, he wrote me privately, so I won't mention the name. Uh, could you please suggest how I can practice seeing myself as spirit soul and others as well? Well, um, okay. I mean, you asked me that question. I have two answers to that. Uh, well, three maybe. We, it, it can help to some extent when we perform, and we're going to hear about this in the next verse, um, perform austerities for the pleasure of Krishna. Not just austerities, but austerities for the pleasure of Krishna. That can sometimes help. But we, we see that we, you know, we're, like we're so used to eating three meals a day, and then we fast on a kadasi or on a, uh, especially let's say a kadasi, and it's really, really hard the first time we do it. But it's amazing how the body gets used to it. And I find myself when I was doing it, I'm not doing it now, um, doing near jalakadasi every every two weeks. By the third or fourth time, it became so much easier because the body can adopt to it. So it gives us some real weight. I'm really not this body. I can push this body a little bit. Um, and uh, it responds. Um, even, even on a small thing, I won't mention the number, but I've been trying to do a little exercise, especially while here. And the number of push-ups that I can do now compared to when I start is more than double. So, you know, the body gets used to things. But also, but the real way to understand we're not our body is to act on the spiritual platform, act as a devotee, chant Krishna's names, and Krishna will help us. Prabhupada writes that uh, 
the chanting dissolves the false ego, and the false ego is on this body. So really the, the main thing is not the tapasya, but it is to practice devotional service. And as far as seeing others, this may not, this may not be easy, um, but for me, at least my experience is uh, developing some compassion and then acting on that compassion. So that means, oh, okay, so I was lucky. I was a brahmachari, and for many years, I got to go out of book distribution and when, or singers on. And when you do that, you, you almost have to start seeing people as spirit souls and not their body roles. You know, you're almost forced to it. And I also find myself, you know, when I'm at work, it's hard to do that. When I go out on, went by Palaka Prabhu's mercy on Harinam Sankirtan, all of a sudden I see my consciousness change. And I start seeing how these people are hearing the holy name instead of just a co-worker that I'm working with. <clears throat> and we might do that in a small way. We might just bring some prasadam cookies to work. You know, we might not, you know, give everyone a Bhagavatam set at work or whatever. But in some way or other, trying to help others um, connect with Krishna, it really helps. It Lord Chaitanya is pleased, and he gives us some mercy to see the other people as as souls that need his association. I hope that's helpful. Other thoughts on that or uh, on uh, Ananda, Ananda Rupa Devi's uh, question? Prabhu, I liked your point. You said we should have compassion. I mean, love and compassion is something which keeps us going out of that love and compassion in spite of, well, we may be identifying our problems, but we still try to reach out and right. make an effort to help ourselves and help others. Yeah. I mean, I think that work, I give someone a, a prasadam cookie and I think, well, they're probably going to get a human birth in their next life. You know, so immediately you start thinking differently than, oh, this person's a nice person, this person's a mean person. No, you start thinking, oh, they're taking prasadam, right? Or, or on Hari Nam Sankirtan, you know, they're getting a chance to hear Krishna's name, you know, and it's, it's, it's just a total shift in consciousness. Raghunanda Prabhu, you look like you were going to say something, no? No, Prabhu. Okay. All right, shall we sally forth? So the next verse is... Verse number five, right? Another famous verse. As long as one does not inquire about the spiritual values of life, one is defeated and subjected to miseries arising from ignorance. Be it sinful or pious, karma has its resultant actions. If a person is engaged in any kind of karma, his mind is called karmatmaka, colored with fruit of activity. As long as the mind is impure, consciousness is unclear. And as long as one is absorbed in fruitive activity, he has to accept a material body. Prabhupada writes in the beginning of the purport, generally people think that one should act very piously in order to be relieved from misery. But this is not a fact. Even though one engages in pious activity and speculation, he is nonetheless defeated. His only aim should be emancipation from the clutches of maya and all material activities. Speculative knowledge and pious activities do not solve the problems of material life. So indirectly, Prabhupada is saying uh, uh, that forget karma and gan and take to bhakti. And in this sense, you know, piety, it seems like he's almost equating, well, it's hard to say. Uh, no, he's equating like karma. If you remember from Bhagavad Gita, there's uh, karma, akarma, and vikarma, right? And Karma in that 
connection. So V karma is really bad sinful activities. A karma is devotional service. You don't get any reaction. And karma is when you're following the ritualistic part of the Vedas. You're being a very pious person, um, but not necessarily a devotional person. So that's the context of this. And then the verse is about uh, being defeated. So who's defeated us? <laughs> and that we learn in the seventh chapter of the Gita, where Krishna says, that this divine energy consisting of three modes is difficult to overcome. So we are defeated. Uh, we can be defeated by Maya, by Krishna's illusory energy. And then when we are, we, we're, we're kind of uh, in jail. And the, the bars and the chains are the desires of our mind. And if you remember, I think a few weeks ago, we quoted the Advanti, uh, Avanti Brahmana who said, it is the mind alone that causes happiness and distress and perpetuates the rotation of material life. Right? And, then, and, and he says that persons who identify with this body, which is simply the product of the material mind, are blinded in their intelligence, thinking in terms of I and mine. Because of their illusion of this, of this is me, and but that is someone else, they wander in endless darkness. Hare Krishna. <laughs> the Advanti Brahmana had real realizations. You know, he was deeply realized after being a materialistic-minded person and then losing everything and then becoming a sadhu. So some thoughts on... Uh, the being defeated or the uh, difference between uh, fruit of activity, even pious fruit of activity, speculation and bhakti. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna. Um, it's, it's, it's a very uh, interesting instruction and Krishna also talks about in the Karma Yoga section as you pointed out. Um, irrespective of whether I am doing a pious action or a sinful action, it is going to give me materialistic results. And as a result of that, I have to take another birth with the material body again. And that doesn't look like an intelligent proposition. Uh, Krishna directs uh, the living beings to perform akarma, bhakti activities for his pleasure and enjoyment, which doesn't have any materialistic uh, results or benefits. And so it helps not in getting entangled into material existence further and further, but it also takes me out of the material existence back to the spiritual existence. So that, that, that looks like more like a, 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 a proper approach to take for any living being in this material existence. Right. Yes. I mean, there are places where Prabhupada encourages us acting in the mode of goodness which isn't directly a karma, um, but it's, it's seen as like a springboard to spirituality. But here, making the point that, uh, you know, don't think you're okay by just being a good person and treating people nicely, and, you know, there's much more to it. Thank you for that. And, that, and ultimately, that it's only those uh, devotional activities that cut away at our false conception of who we are. Because we can still have the concept, I'm a good person, I'm a pious person. And that's still a, that's not our eternal identity. The 8,400,000 species of life are all different identities other than Krishna's servant. 
Thank you, Raghunanda Prabhu. Other thoughts? You are a quiet group this week. You must be getting cabin fever cooped up in your house all day. <laughs> all right, let us carry on then. Uh, and the next verse we're going to look at is verse number eight, which is also a super famous verse. Here, um, text number six. When the living entity is covered by the mode of ignorance, he does not understand the individual living being and the supreme living being, and his mind is subjugated uh, by fruit of activity. Therefore, until one has love for Lord Vasudev, who is none other than myself, he, cer- he is certainly not delivered from having to accept a material body again and again. So this is, uh, yeah, this is making it clear that it's not so easy to go back to Godhead. We actually have to have love for Krishna. Text 7. Even though one may be very learned and wise, a jnani, right? He is mad if he does not understand that the endeavor for sense gratification is a useless waste of time. Being forgetful of his own interest, he tries to be happy in the material world, centering his interests around his home, which is based on sexual intercourse, and which brings him all kinds of material miseries. In this way, one is no better than a foolish animal. And then the famous verse, uh, uh, the attraction between male and female is the basic principle of material existence. On the basis of this misconception, which ties together the hearts of the male and female, one becomes attracted to his body, home, property, children, relatives, and wealth. In this way, one increases life's illusions and thinks in terms of I and mine. So Prabhupada writes, this is called Hridaya Granti, the hard knot in the heart. This knot is very difficult to undo, even though a man and woman separate either for the principles of Varnashrama or simply to get a divorce. In any case, the man always thinks of the woman, and the woman always thinks of the man. Thus, a person becomes materially attached to family, property, and children, although all of these are temporary. The possessor, unfortunately, identifies with his property and wealth. So, um, <laughs> uh, one thing I find interesting here is that, um, uh, how to say it? In, in the Vedic concept, and in, you could imagine who he's preaching to compared to uh, 2020 in uh, Washington, D.C., right? <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it was, uh, sex was, is considered like a package here, right? It's not just that act. It's, it's, it, it, you have to have a house because, you, because, you know, pious people get married. <laughs> and then you have children. You don't have contraception. You have children. And, you know, you have to maintain them and all this. So, um, and it assumed that people stayed in marriages, right? So, so much more of a pious thing, you know, in that. So, so the package was, okay, yeah, you, you know, you get together with the, with the opposite sex and then you have a house and then, you, you know, all those things kind of come along, along with it. And therefore, the preaching here is, is like, well, that'll just, that can just get you so entangled because he says here, the man is always thinking of the woman, woman of the man whereas we're instructed that we should be always thinking of Krishna, right? So again, remember, he's preaching to uh, sannyasis, 
or people, uh, renounced people. Uh, and also I was thinking of George Harrison wrote that song, All Through the Day, I Me Mine, I Me Mine, I Me Mine. And whether he was directly quoting the last line of this verse, Chanasya Mohoyam Aham which means I am mine. But he definitely was in touch with Prabhupada's teachings. And there's other places um, where this I am mine is discussed. Um, but people actually found it to be quite a philosophical uh, song in those days. Um, and really, what you know, like I was talking about the piety before. So nowadays, a person is considered a good person if they're, you know, they use the word family man, right? I was, uh, I, I was thinking about that, so I googled uh, different ways to uh, say a eulogy when someone passes away because it's often talked about, right? He, he was a good family man, right? Or family, you know, really took care of his family. Um, so I found this one uh, quote that they said, well, if you're writing, uh, uh, saying a eulogy, you can say, I want to offer my sincere condolences on the loss of so-and-so. He was a good husband, father, son, and grandson, and I know he will, will be missed. So that's not bad in and of itself, but that's considered, like, really good, right? For, you know, that's one of the things that you praise someone for. And then here the Bhagavatam is saying something like, uh, you know, you, you, you're just an illusion if you're thinking in terms of I and mine. Um, so I thought that was interesting. But now we have to weigh that, in, especially in light of what Ananta Rupa Mataji was saying um, and what Prabhupada writes in his purports. So, uh, and then I was also looking into what Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur said. He said that when one mistakenly identifies the actions of one's senses as relating to the self, one falls into even greater illusion if he associates with family members whom he also considers his own. In such association, two knots are tied. One knot is, this is my wife, and the second knot, which is tied on the first, is, this is my husband. So there's, there's these knots, uh, and Prabhupada said there's a, I know he says there's a similar knot in the relationship of father and son. So uh, it, it can be entangling, and at the same time, it doesn't have to be. The la if you look at the very end of the purport, sometimes this was found among exalted personalities like Lord Brahma, that the wife and children are not a cause of bondage. On the contrary, the wife actually helps further spiritual life and liberation. And uh, there's this letter that Prabhupada wrote in 1969, where he says, Brahmachari, Grihastar, Sannyasi, everyone is eligible for cultivating Krishna consciousness. There are these stages for gradual development of control of the strong senses in the material environment. But any order of life suitable for a particular person uh, in which he can most favorably execute Krishna consciousness is the best position to take. Generally, if one remain a brahmachari, it is very convenient. And from brahmachari, one can take sannyas. But in this age of Kali, Bhaktivinoda Thakur recommends that it is better to cultivate Krishna consciousness as a householder. So I guess the purport is that we want to bring Krishna consciousness into whatever order of life we're in, whether, you know, if you're a brahmacharya and not thinking of Krishna, that's Maya. If you're a householder, not thinking of Krishna, you know, like that. But if you're a grihasta and you're making your home Krishna conscious, um, that is, that is glorious and that is desired. So yet we can take from this teachings that we want to be careful. And therefore we've talked about this so often 
that it is really a benediction if we can see our family members as Vaishnavas and Vaishnavis, rather my wife, my husband, my, 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 right? And therefore, when we're doing some service, you know, let's say uh, I'm taking out the garbage, you know, in the house, I'm doing Vaishnavi Seva, because otherwise my wife would have to do it, <laughs> right? So I'm, I'm actually doing service to a devotee uh, like that. So that's uh, a great situation if, if we're... Um, fortunate to be in that because we're going to be hearing in subsequent verses how important it is to serve devotees. Rishabdev says you should all serve Bharat, your eldest brother, because he's a great devotee. So some thoughts on this powerful verse. Hare Krishna Prabhu. Um, uh, this verse and even connecting to the previous verses, it looks like it's talking about getting attached to one's body or one's family and one possession. But actually, in reality, all these don't belong to me. It, the That's original, the point. Original proprietor is the Supreme Lord. He Sarvam. Right. He is the Supreme Controller and Supreme Proprietor. So at, at least I can look at myself as a, a temporary caretaker of these wonderful uh, souls that I have been blessed with in my in this lifetime. They could be my parents, they, it could be my spouse, they could be my children or friends or other relatives. So that puts things in the proper perspective that they do not belong to me. It's not me, I, me and mine. They belong to actually Krishna. But Krishna has been kind enough to bless me with their association okay. in this lifetime. So there is no that kind of an attachment. But still, since they belong to Krishna, I should deal and interact with them with as much affection and care as possible. So I cannot be callous and say, oh, they, they are not mine, so I can abuse them or neglect them. Right. Or, or exploit them. Prabhupada once said, don't think, to one devotee, don't think your wife is a machine for sense gratification. <laughs> so yes, it's a question of service. Then we're acting in our, then we're thinking in our constitutional position. Yeah. And then one devotee, oh, and then Miriam wrote that uh, women should be loved together with possessions and objects. A wife is often a best friend, well-wisher, and caregiver. Very nice. Other thoughts? Yeah. Um, yes. A quick Eddie. thought. I think that equal vision, Samadarshan, yeah. is, is the greatest thing. Yeah. And I, I just, the only thing I can think about is I saw a friend, a couple that are friends of ours, and uh, they came into our living room and uh, the wife sat down and put, um, just sat down and took up a lot of space. She put her purse next to her. <laughs> and the only place for him to sit was right next to her. So he was trying to squeeze in. He said, could you move the purse? And she moved it. He said, thank you. And uh, it was so beautiful. Just treating her like a regular person and thanking her for doing something she should have done anyway. It was very beautiful. <laughs> a little, it was like looking at her as just any other person that you would thank for doing something. Right, so we have to treat, you know, we're, 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 we're with these people for quite a while if we're married, so we should uh, learn to uh, have a peaceful coexistence at the least. <laughs> at the least, yeah. Um, and some darshan, I mean, let's face it, it's, it's easier to do as a renunciate, right? Because naturally householders have, you know, although they may be equal to everyone, they have to take care of their family, their, you know, their kids, they want to make sure that, you know, they might pay for their kids' tuition to go to college, but they're not going to pay for the next-door neighbor's kids to go to college, you know, <laughs> as an example, which is natural, but it's not, but it, it just shows that Samadarshina 
is um, is easier for a renunciate if you know it's not impossible for a devotee, but uh, for a householder, but it's easier for a renunciate to not be attached. Although Prabhupada writes in the purport uh, that even a sannyasi can be attached to their few possessions. Although, but then he says, but although it's not the same strong attachment as a household. So, yeah. Anything else? Sure. Verse. So now we're going uh, up to, oh, just uh, a couple of verses up to 10, 10 to 13. All right, so nine. When the strong knot, oh, wait, wait, that's not, oh, yeah. When the strong knot in the heart of a person implicated in material life due to the results of past action, is slackened. One turns away from his attachment to home, wife, and children. In this way, one gives up the basic principle of illusion, I and mine, and becomes liberated. Thus, he goes to this transcendental world. And then 10 to 13, now this is a long one, and we're going to go into some detail about the verse. Oh, my sons, you should accept a highly elevated Paramahansa, a spiritually advanced spiritual master. In this way, you should place your faith and love in me, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. You should detest sense gratification and tolerate the duality of pleasure and pain, which are like the seasonal changes of summer and winter. Try to realize the miserable condition of living entities who are miserable even in the higher planetary systems. Philosophically inquire about the truth. Then undergo all kinds of austerities and penances for the sake of devotional service. Give up the endeavor for sense enjoyment and engage in the service of the Lord. Listens to, listen to discussions about the Supreme Personality of Godhead and always associate with devotees. Chant about and glorify the Supreme Lord and look upon everyone equally on the spiritual platform. Give up enmity and subdue anger and lamentation. Abandon identifying the self with the body and the home and practice reading the revealed scriptures. Live in a secluded place and practice the process by which you can completely control your life, air, mind, and senses. Have full faith in the revealed scriptures of Vedic literatures and always observe celibacy. Perform your prescribed duties and avoid unnecessary, unnecessary talks. Always thinking of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, acquire knowledge from the right source. Thus practicing bhakti yoga, you will patiently and enthusiastically be elevated in knowledge and be able to give up the false ego. So let's look at these... Um, because what Lord, what Lord Rishabhdev is doing now is he's kind of switching to not what you can't, shouldn't do, but what you can do to gradually get liberated and attain a spiritual body. So there's a, I counted, how many? 25 points here. So accept a highly advanced soul as a spiritual master. Ado in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, it says, Ado Guru Padashraya. Okay, the first thing, Ado, is to take shelter of a spiritual master. And here's, a, here's an easy one. Place your faith and love in the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Not so easy, but definitely what we want to do. And then he says, detest sense gratification and tolerate both pleasure and pain. Isn't that interesting to tolerate pleasure? By the way, interrupt me anytime you want to say something because we're going to go through all 25. But tolerate pleasure as you would tolerate pain. You know what that, Hare Krishna? Hare Krishna. You know what that makes me think of is that you know how sometimes a person will find something funny and then laugh uncontrollably and be not not be able to stop laughing because it's so funny. Um, so that okay, Good. yeah, 
except that the material world is essentially miserable. Uh, this is a key thing we've been talking um, on part of this group. Uh, maybe some of you have been getting some of the emails. Maybe some of you haven't from the strategic planning team about, you know, information about COVID-19 and how, what devotees are doing about it, et cetera, et cetera. So we're, we're talking about writing a philosophical piece um, because, right, a, a, some people will say that uh, um, how can there be a God because, you know, there's so much suffering. Uh, people are, you know, this, this disease, COVID-19, it's such a suffering situation. And I was talking to my wife about it, about it yesterday, and one of the, it's when, when you look at something that some people say, you also have to look at the assumptions that, are, that underlie that, right? And so one of the assumptions is, well, first of all, that, you know, God's responsible for our happiness and stress. But the other assumption is that this material world is really meant to be a place of, basically a place of happiness, Right, so here it says, uh, uh, "Except the material world is essentially miserable." So that is uh, that assumption. We Krishna would say because he says it in the Gita, "Anityama sukamloka dukalayama shashvatam," that that assumption, that basic premise, is wrong. And as Prabhupada would say that if you know if you get the premise wrong, you know it's like so many zeros after that, <laughs> you know. Um, or, or if it's a huge mathematical calculation, but the first calculation is wrong, then everything's going to be. So that premise, um, it's a different way of looking at the world. That's material world basically is a place of suffering, earth, birth, death, disease, old age. And therefore a devotee would look at something like COVID-19 and feel compassion, of course, for the people who are suffering, but say like, hey, you know, this is, it's one of the four, right? Birth, death, disease. And so it's, it's, like, you know, tell me something Christian didn't already talk about. You know what I mean? Uh, so it, it does have a different uh, point of view. It's, it's an important point of view for devotees to understand really clearly. Yes. So very nicely put, the material world. So the material aspect is relative, right? It has heart and cold, happiness and distress. Spiritual is absolute platform. So even materially, when we see, I mean, uh, I said this guy in Srimad Bhagavatam, that when the city people see the rain occurring, they feel miserable because they can't go out and carry out their, you know, regular things like enjoying their life. But it's actually a boon for the farmers. So from that particular perspective, even relatively between different groups within humans, there is a difference. And Prabhupada warned that when you open slaughterhouses, it is going to, the reaction will come back to the society. Mm. Yeah, yes, right. Yeah, no, actually, uh, so you might say COVID-19 has been like uh, uh, Mother Nature's uh, boon for itself because, you know, the pollution is down and the waterways are cleaner. And yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, not, not, again, not to minimize the suffering of yeah. those who have, including the yeah. bodies who have caught this, but it is a breather for um, for the earth. And uh, my God brother, um, um, Sham Krishna Prabhu. So as we were discussing, he was saying that actually coronavirus is like a coronavirus for Mother Earth. Yeah, right. right. Like, now the Mother Earth is really able to breathe. You know, everything has become so clean. All the pollution is, you know, going away. And people in Jalandhara are saying that they can see Himalayas, that they yeah. can see. So there's a lot of cleanliness, a lot of 
bone for the mother earth for the other living entities outside they were tormented by the humans so it's very relative yes hopefully we can learn some lessons from this and we can certainly uh see how it should give devotees some faith in Prabhupada's words because you know he would talk about the artificial civilization and just the fact that within like a week or two you know the Delhi air became so much cleaner like just a short amount of time so let's keep going through this list it's a long one uh Analyze your existence and inquire philosophically about the truth. Undergo austerities and penances. Give up endeavors for sense pleasure. Work for the Supreme Lord. Hear about the Supreme Lord. Associate with the Lord's devotees. Chant and glorify the Lord's qualities. Give up envy. See all living beings equally. Subdue anger and lamentation. Uh, Desire to give up identity with house and body. Study the revealed scriptures. <laughs> the next one's pretty easy right now. Live in a solitary place. <laughs> pretty much we're all doing that. Uh, control the mind and life air. Develop faith in the Shastra. Observe celibacy. Remain free from bewilderment. Restrain one's speech. Constantly think of the Lord. Develop knowledge, then practically apply that knowledge to become illuminated and develop patience, enthusiasm, and discretion. So Prabhupada and Vishwanath uh, Chakravarti Thakur comment on this very interestingly, uh, that, um, and Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur talks about how, um, that this list is not so, not everything in the list is about bhakti yoga. A lot of it's about gyan and yoga. But even though they're not directly bhakti, they become bhakti when we use them to support the development of bhakti. Does that make sense? So he gives some examples. Uh, detesting sense gratification. That's not <coughs> directly bhakti. Uh, analyzing one's existence and inquiring philosophically about the truth. That, that's kind of a very jnani kind of thing, right? Undergoing austerities and penance. That's also very much a jnani practice. But they can still be useful for us um, because when, like, for example, when we're detached from matter, that, that can be a, that can help bhakti, our bhakti to be successful. And of course, there are some directly bhakti yoga things in the verse, uh, example, uh, points in the verse, hearing about the Lord, associating with devotees, chanting and glorifying the Lord. So, um, so, you know, there are a lot of jnan things in the Bhagavatam, but they're meant there to be help be as favorable for taking shelter of Krishna. So some thoughts, questions, comments? Hi Krishna Prabhu. Yes Prabhu. Just a small comment um, along those lines, even small things like taking a 20 minute nap during the day if you're exhausted or going out for a walk, those things by themselves may um, not be so valuable, but in the context of bhakti, those little things can also add up. So just kind of being intelligent about it. So just wanted to offer Exactly, that. exactly. And that's what we, how we want to think. Yes, like taking a power nap, for example, they say it gives you, what, 40% more energy the rest of the day if you can do it in the late, early afternoon. So, yes, or taking a walk just is like, you know, um, even Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, what do you say, health first and then sadhana? Because you can't really, if you have no pran going through your body uh, or s- strong, you know, life airs and, and good health, it's very hard to do your sadhana. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we can connect everything. Thank you for that, Prabhu. Connect everything to Krishna. 
So it's not actually small, what you're saying. It's, it's those little things that really add up to a life of bhakti. And then in, remember we talked about habits earlier? Because those two things you mentioned could be habits, right? Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, it, uh, there's a really nice quote about habits that, uh, and I'm, I'm just paraphrasing, but it's not the things that we do occasionally that count. It's the things that we do regularly that really affect our lives, right? So if we get in good habits of japa, good habits of even taking sufficient rest, good habits of being in good consciousness when we take prasadam, et cetera, et cetera, those actually have a bigger um, uh, what's the word a cumulative uh, effect on us right right yeah, yeah. thank you for thank you and just like the saying goes healthy mind resides in a healthy body what was that say that again healthy mind resides in a healthy body yeah yeah and especially uh, you know um, one thing that's really just like uh, who was saying it there? oh uh Nila Madhava Prabhu, the temple president of Baltimore, uh, you know, he's, he's uh, kind of like ground zero of this COVID-19 thing because he's, uh, he's a doctor and he's, I think he works, he's overseas or works in one of the uh, wings of the COVID-19 response in uh, one of the big uh, hospitals, I think the Johns Hopkins Hospital, one of the big hospitals in Baltimore. And he was telling devotees yesterday, he said, one of the best things you can do to, um, as resilience to this before ever getting it, is to do pranayama because that that strengthens the uh, the the, uh, the lungs and the breath. And then, and in addition to that, we know that pranayama has an effect on the mind. It just I was picking this up from Jiva Tapurpu's point, um, and that sometimes it's even some devotees find it beneficial to do some pranayama before um, chanting japa to just get the mind peaceful and calm down so we can fix ourselves in the holy name. Anything, anything else on this verse? Well, this, whole, this whole discussion brings into very clear focus how uh, we need the Bhagavatam to set the goal and to uh, give us instructions like Lord Rishabhadeva is giving, and also that we, because we're individual and uh, everyone has... Uh, different things that we need to move us toward uh, staying in bhakti that uh, we need to continually or as much as possible associate with devotees who can help us fill in the details of how to get there. Thank you. And we're going to start talking about association with devotees in the next verse or two. Thank you. All right, shall we move on then? We're making some good progress. Uh, Okay, we're going up to verse 15. So that was thir- up to 13. So 14, as I, would, as I have advised you, my dear sons, you should act accordingly. Uh, be very careful. By these, me- by these means, you will be freed from the ignorance of the desire for acti- for fruit of activity. And the knot of bondage in the heart will be completely severed. For further advancement, oh, uh, 15, was I saying anything about that? <laughs> Six fourteen, Prabhu. Oh, I did. I read fourteen, so we're going to fifteen. Okay. Text fifteen. If one is serious about going back home, back to Godhead, he must consider the mercy of the supreme personality of Godhead, the sum and bonum, and chief aim of life. Can you imagine? You could just meditate on that sentence for the next two years. 
if one is serious about going back home, back to God, he must consider the mercy of the Supreme Personality of God as the summum bonum and chief aim of life. If he is a father instructing his sons, a spiritual master instructing his disciples, or a king instructing his citizens, he must instruct them as I have advised. Without being angry, he should continue giving instructions, even if his disciples' son or citizens is sometimes un unable to follow his order. Uh, ignorant people who engage in pious and impious activities should be engaged in devotional service by all means. They should always avoid fruit of activity. If one puts into the bondage of karmic activity his disciple's son or citizen who is bereft of transcendental vision, uh, how will one benefit? How will one profit? It is like leading a blind man to a dark well and causing him to fall in. So I just, I, I chose this verse because um, there's like four points in this interesting instructions to us. So focus on the goal of life. That was the first sentence that we repeated twice. And then instruct others, right? He, say, he says that uh, this message should be given to other people. Uh, if he's a father instructing his sons, spiritual master, disciples, kings, citizens, he should instruct them as I've advised. And then he says you have to be patient. He say, uh, you know, so what if that student or that son or whatever is not advanced or is not detached uh, and they may not even be able to hear or apply these teachings right now in their life. We were talking about this earlier with the Nantarupa Matsuji. Uh, so Rishab Dave tells his sons to be patient. Without being angry, he should continue giving instructions even if his disciple's son or citizen is sometimes unable to follow his order. So patience. And then uh, we should teach others to avoid entanglement and fruit of acts, right? You know, uh, he, he says ignorant persons who engage in pious and impious activities should be engaged in devotional service by all means. So I just thought that was interesting. Like in that one uh, translation, there's these four instructions. I'll repeat them again. Um, uh, focus on the goal of life, instruct others, be patient, and teach other, uh, others to avoid entanglement in fruitive acts. Thoughts on that? And let's carry on. I think we're going on to 18. Mm -hmm. Prabhu, one, one quick thought on that, actually. Yes, please. Um, this statement, ignorant people who engage in pious and impious activities should be engaged in devotional service by all means. Yes. Remembering that one instruction, the Bhagavad Gita and the purport, where Krishna says we should just let the ignorant be and not disturb them. Right. Uh, uh, and, and devotees advise that we can engage them in giving charity to Krishna consciousness and so forth. Uh, so I was just wondering if you can comment on this. Is there a is there a contrast between the two, or do they go together? Does anyone know what verse that is? Because uh, in the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, let me try to. Or if you want to go on, Prabhu, I can pull it up and bring. Oh, three twenty-five. Okay. Mun is like a walking encyclopedia of the Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> So pull it up and see what Prabhupada says. Because what he says in the purport, I didn't remember the number, but what he says in the purport is that devotees understand the mind of a of Krishna, right? If that's the same, if that's the same yeah. verse. Yeah, I was actually referring to a to a different verse. Uh, okay, that's not the one. Yeah, so I can try to pull it up. It's the one where Krishna says that um, we should not disturb those. Is that the eighteenth chapter. Could be Prabhu, yeah, it could be 18th chapter. I think it's in the 18th chapter towards the end. Right, it's quite possible. 
Um, right, you find that and Will's carry on. How does that sound? Yep, that sounds good. But I do remember that Prabhupada says in the purport that um, that a devotee understands the mind of the of the personality of God, and therefore, even at the risk, uh, they make endeavors to help the ignorant uh, or the let's say the uninformed um, get an opportunity to hear about Krishna. And especially, of course, Krishna is saying this, and then Lord Chaitanya is coming as the Mahavadanyaya avatar and being uh, even more merciful than Krishna himself. Prabhupada often says, Krishna says, just surrender unto me. And Lord Chaitanya says, no, just chant Hare Krishna. Right, right. Did you find it? Uh, yes, it seems to be 329, Prabhu. 329? Yeah. Paman was close. Yes. Um, Okay, so uh, bewildered by the modes of material nature, uh, the ignorant fully engage themselves in material activities and become attached, but the wise should not unsettle them, although their duties are inferior due to the performer's lack of knowledge. Yes, and then Prabhupada writes, men who are ignorant cannot appreciate the activities in Krishna consciousness, and therefore Lord Krishna advises us not to disturb them and simply waste valuable time. But the devotees of the Lord are more kind than the Lord because they understand the purpose of the Lord. Consequently, they undertake all kinds of risks, even to the point of approaching ignorant men to try to engage them in the acts of Krishna consciousness, which are uh, absolutely which are absolutely necessary for the human being. So, uh, and then uh, in Burijan Prabhu's book, he writes that rather than pushing one who lacks knowledge to renounce his, so this is, I, I like this point because it's contextualizing the, this part of the Gita. Rather than pushing one who lacks knowledge to renounce his false activities, the wise will engage him in activities which will lead to knowledge. Indeed, a devotee's mood in approaching such persons is self-sacrificing and compassionate, as Prabhupada reveals in his purport. So then, he, uh, then at the end he says, emphasizing detachment for an unqualified person may lead him to a worse condition if he is without positive work in Krishna consciousness. You follow that? If you're just saying what a, you know, our whole philosophy is a higher taste, right? So if you're just saying, oh, you're just absorbed in sense gratification, you're going to hell and, you know, and all that, without giving them the solution, <laughs> then it could just make them even more, uh, uh, less inclined to take, take it up. Yes. So, so then rather than, pushing someone to renounce. This is interesting since we're talking about uh, Lord Rishabdej preaching here, right? Uh, someone who lacks knowledge, instead of in encouraging them to just renounce false activities, we want to engage them in positive activities. Does that make sense? It does, Prabhu, yes. yes. Yeah. And, and Rishabdev's mood here and Srila Prabhupada's mood in the purport, that's also interesting. It, it, it couldn't be the same, right? That's what I was thinking. The context in which Rishabha says this, is, is that the same way in which Prabhupada is saying in the purport that we should engage them? Uh, it's probably different. I was just trying to understand the mood here. Say, repeat that again, please. Um, the way in which Rishabha says that we should engage ignorant people in devotional service by all means, and yep. the way in which Prabhupada says that the devotee is so merciful. Yeah, I'd say it's identical. Yes. It's the same. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, by the way, it's really helpful. Ananta Rupa Devi or Jiva Tapa Prabhu added, uh, so as not to disturb the minds of ignorant men attached to the fruit of results of prescribed duties, 
a learned person should not induce them to stop work. Rather, by working in the spirit of devotion, he should engage them in all sorts of activities for the gradual development of Krishna consciousness. So there's also, that's, there's a perfect answer right there. Mm. Right? That, uh, so we do sometimes try to, you know, um, what's the word? Kind of jar people a bit away from, from their illusions. Yes. Um, but, but if we don't give them some positive alternative, then it doesn't help. Just like one time Prabhupada said that if you simply defeat the Christians um, and they lose faith in their practice, what, what you've done them harm. So, so therefore his point was, yes, continue being a Christian, but thou shall not kill, you know, uh, don't, you know, don't kill innocent animals. Um, that was his main thing. And if, if you know, um, the, although the Christians naturally equate thou shall not kill with human beings, Prabhupada did not uh, see it that way. Thank you, Prabhupada. Sorry for the diversion. Yes, and then Mun uh, says, Prabhupada has used uh, example of food. Instead of avoiding nice edibles, one should prepare food, offer to Krishna, and then eat. Yes, very good. And then Gurudas says, a strong part of Prabhupada's teachings on Ahimsa is that one who does not give another Krishna consciousness is practicing violence. Yes. Okay. Good, lively discussion. Now I have to go back to where we were. Um, and I, when I looked up that verse I in the Gita, that I lost my place in the Bhagavatam in the Veda base. Okay, so we are, um, which verse now? X16. 16? Okay. Yeah. Okay. No, we're going to be on 18. Yeah, we're going to go up to 18, right. Thank you. All right, so due to ignorance, the materialistic person does not know anything about his real self-interest, the auspicious path of life. He is simply bound to material enjoyment by lusty desires, and all his plans are made for this purpose. For temporary sense gratification, such a person creates a society of envy, and due to this mentality, plunges into an ocean of suffering. Such a foolish person does not even know about this. 17. If someone is ignorant and addicted to the path of samsara, how can one who is actually learned, merciful, and advanced in spiritual knowledge engage him in fruitive activity and thus further entangle him in material existence? If a blind man is walking down the wrong path, how can a gentleman allow him to continue on his way to danger? How can he approve this method? No wise or kind man can allow this. And then a very, very famous verse, text 18, Guru Nasasyat, Sajano Nasasyat, Pita nasasyaj janani nasasyat. Daivam natatsyan napatishchasasyan namochateya samupetimrityum. One cannot deliver, one who can, uh, one who cannot deliver his dependence from the path of repeated birth and death should never become a spiritual master, a relative, a father, a husband, a mother, or a worshipable demigod. And let me look at my, um, so, Every relationship uh, has responsibilities, right? And uh, here Rishabh Dev is describing the responsibility between guardians and their dependents. Uh, one second. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, so in the purport, it's kind of interesting, right? Because Prabhupada, he talks about different people who, different great devotees who rejected uh, 
those that were in these positions but didn't provide that that guidance, right? And, uh, you know, the obvious one that comes up, of course, is Sukracharya, right? Um, but here, interestingly, he says, Balad Maharaj rejected his father and Bharat Maharaj rejected his mother. So I was like, what? Bharat Maharaj rejected his mother? You know, where's that from? Right? So um, did a little research. And the Bharat Maharaj mentioned here, it may refer to Lord Ramachandra's brother Bharat who rejected his mother Kaikeya, Kaikeya. Uh, right, when she, you know, schemed to have Lord Ram sent to the forest. It could also be King Bharat, who, while in the body of a deer, renounced his dear mother's care in order to return to Pulaha Ashram. <laughs> so just uh, interesting uh, little Puranic histories there. But the idea is that, um, you know, we take on a responsibility when we take on responsible Positions now again, you know, again because it's it's referring back to Anantarupa Devi's point earlier. You know, we we do our best. We can't force somebody, a disciple, a guru can't force their disciple to be Krishna conscious. A parent can't force their children, but they can do their best. They can do their best, and that may differ very much according to the time, the place, and the circumstance, right? Just like with our children, it really matters a lot what age they're at, right? When they're, when they're young, they're kind of sponges, and they can soak up Krishna consciousness. Uh, you know, as much as we give them, they soak it up. When they're older and they start getting some reasoning and they start questioning things in this world or seeing other people who aren't devotees seemingly enjoying, then our... Um, way to attract them to Krishna may be a little more subtle or maybe uh, a little more, uh, um, how should I say it? Uh, oh, like, like it, it depends on how you end the race and how you're beginning. Um, many years ago in Vrindavan, in the uh, Gurukula, um, we realized that it was really helpful to have Shesha Prabhu. He was the principal, even though he lived in America most of the time. So he was kind of like a, he was kind of like, a, not the principal, but a board of trustees member or something. But whenever he came, there was so much wisdom because most of the other teachers had either no children or young children. And Shesha Prabhu at that time had t- older teenagers. And so he, he saw things in the more long-term, you know, a Gurukul teacher might get really upset. Oh, a child stole a banana from across the street. Oh my God, I'm such a terrible teacher. Oh, you know, and really get all worked up about it. And he would just feel, okay, so they stole a banana. Now let's talk about what to do. And, you know, he had that more longer-term vision of, uh, you know, of the children's development than, than a lot of us did at that time. So uh, it is trickier sometimes, but still the idea that when we take on these positions, we, um, we have responsibilities. And that includes you, Raghunandan Prabhu, as a Nam Hatha leader. leader. From Hanuman Prabhu and others. <laughs> Any thoughts on this? Of course, for those of us who are familiar with Prabhupada's books, this is a, a verse that is pretty well known. Any thoughts on it? Hare Krishna. Um, I would love to hear if anyone on this call would like to elaborate or comment on Srila Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati when he said, and I'm approximating, uh, I would have relations hundreds and hundreds of times if I thought I could uh, produce Krishna conscious 
uh, progeny. But since I, uh, out of his humility, he was saying he, he didn't feel qualified to, uh, to do that. Well, that actually comes up in a few verses from now. Uh-huh. Rishabhadev says that because I'm the Supreme Lord, all of, or um, basically he says, because I am who I am, all my offspring are great devotees. Uh, but then we, but then we also know elsewhere that, for example, uh, the six children of um, uh, Dwaitacharya, three were great devotees and three were called Asara, right? Useless. Um, so I was going to talk about that then, so I can give you a post-data check on that. So we have time probably for one more verse, uh, verse 19. Um, my transcendental body, Satchit Ananda Vigraha, looks exactly like a human form, but it is not a material human body. It is inconceivable. I am not forced by nature to accept a particular type of body. I take on a body by my own sweet will. My heart is also spiritual, and I always think of the welfare of my devotees. Therefore, within my heart can be found the process of devotional service, which is meant for the devotees. Far from my heart have I abandoned irreligion, adharma, and non-devotional activities. They do not appeal to me. Due to all these transcendental qualities, people generally pray, pray to me as Rishabhadev, the Supreme Personality of God and the best of all living entities. So, in um, the purport, Prabhupada talks about when we see a body full of spiritual energy, it is very difficult for us to understand how the spiritual energy can have a body, right? And, by, and then he writes also, by the inconceivable energy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, the Lord can appear before us in his original spiritual body, but because we have no experience of the spiritual body, we are sometimes bewildered and see the form of the Lord as material. The Maya body philosophers are completely unable to conceive of a spiritual body. And so that was a big thing for Prabhupada in this purport, at this point about uh, um, I take on a body by my own sweet will. Uh, I'm, it's, it's spiritual and not material. It's inconceivable. Right? So I was thinking, you know, when someone asked me, well, what is the specific contribution that Gaudiya Vaishnavism or ISKCON gives the world? And I would say that this is perhaps our greatest contribution. And that is the idea of personalism to the extent that God is a person with a spiritual form um, and everything that goes along with that. That is like a major contribution that, you know, um, is, I don't know if we could say it's unique, but it's close to unique, uh, especially, of course, the, the, the specific nature of, uh, you know, the flute playing, peacock feather wearing, uh, yellow dhoti wearing Supreme Personality of Godhead. And then last point I want to make, on the, well, this verse is, it, it says, uh, my heart is always spiritual and I always think of the welfare of my devotees. Therefore, within my heart can be found the process of devotional service, which is meant for the devotees. Um, and that reminded me of uh, something in the ninth canto when Lord Narayan says to Durvasamuni, I am completely under the control of my devotees Indeed, I am not at all independent. Because my devotees are completely devoid of material desires, I sit only within the cores of their hearts. But to speak of my devotees, even those who are devotees of my devotees, are very dear to me. Um, and so even though, so in one sense, Krishna is dependent on his devotees, but that does not at all detract from his supreme position and this being one of his most endearing 
qualities. So um, I just want to make this one last point, then time is up. But what's happened, especially in this verse, but this chapter, but especially in this one verse, um, Rishabdev has put in some of the essential concepts that we need to know to appreciate the 10th canto, right? Because uh, in order to understand the 10th canto, we'll have to know that Krishna's transcendental form, right, is eternal, and that he has a transcendental form, and that he has uh, very heartfelt spiritual desires. And those two things kind of are the ultimate, or the, the prerequisite, or the necessity but the thing that can really help us understand the 10th canto and Krishna's pastimes, if we understand those two things. So I just dropped a whole bunch of information on you. There are probably some thoughts on this, but I really should keep to our time. So we will uh, just quite quickly finish this chapter next week and carry on. And thank you so much for attending again, a really nice group of devotees, so many of you this week. And we will... Same time, same place. Hare Krishna.